Welcome, affiliated listeners, to another special episode of the Affiliated Podcast. Special, why you might ask? Because Thomas and I are in the same building, but we're doing the episode in separate locations. So we've never done it like this before. So I think that's kind of interesting and fun. And we do have an amazing guest today. Specifically, we're going to be talking about something Thomas and I hear a lot of people discuss, which is my offer's not working. What do I do next? Um, and today we're going to be able to answer that question with our special guest who's an expert at answering that question. So if you've ever found yourself or currently find yourself in a position where an offer is underperforming, maybe it's just performing average and you need something more, well, today we are going to have Chris Wright, a master marketer, share with us what he does and how he works with clients and how he's been doing it himself for years to evaluate an offer that might be broken, lost, not performing how you want it to be, and he brings it to the promised land. So Chris, with that, how are you doing today? Glad to bring you in. I'm doing very well, happy to be here. Happy Feels overdue. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. So um, for, we've been talking for so long, it's great to finally have you on the podcast with the delightful yellow background, and of course, always joined by the amazing, the wonderful, and soon to be a dad for the second time, Thomas McMahon. Thomas, how are you doing on the penultimate week of your single dad status. Well, meaning you have one solo child. Not I was, yeah, people were like, I'm going to be a dad again. I was like, do you really become a dad again? Or are you just like more of a dad? I don't know how that works. Is it like a percentage? Do you go from like 50% dad to 100% or 100 to 150% dad? You should know, Kyle. I think it's like 100 to 200. It just goes up in multiples. Yeah. Um, yeah. Soon you, and each time your pants go from right now, you, you're wearing like straight. <laughs> the suit. Next, second kid, pleated. You're going to be right in the pleated zone. Soon I, enough, I the hair that. fully recedes back by the third, or you lose all <laughs> color, one of the choices. Um, so yeah, there's just different sacrifices as you enter your journey into full dad mode. Um, th this goes for you, Chris, in case you ever have a second as well, you'll know that pleated pants come right afterwards. It's just real. Well, me, me and Thomas realized yesterday that uh, my kid and Thomas have the same birthday. Good birthday, oh, no good way. people. Yeah. yeah, January 29th. Oh that's wild Aquarius so, is rise up yeah oh, that's so cool so <laughs> it really truly is the age of Aquarius on this call so even though I think that has a very different theme than what we're talking about but that's fine I'm we'll refraining from singing the fifth dimensional yeah fifth dimensions great hit from like the 60s yeah but that's yeah. my anthem for this time of the year yeah well, less on children and more on other things that we have to fix that we create problems of, which is offers. So uh, we'll move on to that. So um, understanding, guys, there's a lot of people that create monsters known as offers that don't work. Some other people create children that aren't functional, which aren't you two. I can't say jury's still out for me. I don't know. Um, but uh, so let's talk about offers when they're just not working. So Chris, just before we jump into that, you've been in the industry for a long time. So I'd love to kind of get a little bit of background because obviously starting from copywriting, freelance copywriting, moving up to fractional CMO, offer owner, um, to where you're an agency owner, you've really done it all and landed in this place of what I'd really classify you as is direct, uh, a direct response, like a master direct response marketer, master marketer. You've reached that gamer tag level. Um, so just if, if you could give us kind of like a, a quick high level view, like how did you get to this point of master marketer and where did you start? Yeah, sure. So the start came from trying to create a ton of businesses that didn't work and really desperately wanting to be my own boss and write my own ticket, essentially. Um, that led eventually, you know, to content marketing. Uh, content marketing led to copywriting and uh, copywriting led to initially financial copywriting. Um, kind of learned the craft there three, four years or so. Financial copywriting, in my opinion, is the most comprehensive, the hardest copywriting. So it's really a uh, school of hard knocks. And then at some point, I transitioned into health or added it to my kind of quiver. Um, and from there, just worked on a freelance basis until eventually I became retained at um, within the Agora companies, which is, you know, a huge, huge direct response organization. That was great to work with a really good team there. Eventually I left um, and became an offer owner for the first time. That was with a seven figure offer on ClickBank called Divine Locks. Sold my stake in that, started a agency model, although I hate the word agency just because of how much baggage it has. 
Um, and worked with a ton of clients in health, golf, uh, financial, pretty much every big spirituality, every big vertical around I have worked in or, or been involved with. Um, after the agency, back to the kind of freelancer for hire, transitioning into the fractional CML role and stuff like that. Um, throughout that time as well, I've I've mentored and, and coached a ton of copywriters and burgeoning marketers. Um, for all of those reasons combined, I've had my fingers in probably at this point, thousands of, of offers um, and have received thousands of lessons as a result. That's awesome. See, I mean, that's all you guys need to get to a master level. You just need all of that quick and easy, right? Yeah, no, no challenges there. That's that's awesome, Chris. Obviously seen so much over that time frame. And I imagine with a lot of wins, you've probably seen a lot of losses too. You don't get to a master level by learning through a lot of mistakes um, along with all those victories. So, um, but no, that, that, that's fantastic. And I really love about that too, is you started off like, you just did the work. You didn't start off as millionaire offer owner. You started off by, I'm going to learn how to write. I'm going to do that really well, move up to another large company that's going to pay me to continue to write and then take take those skills and then continue to cascade, grow and grow and grow until, like you said, you transition to be more than, I don't want to say just a copywriter as if that's not a very valuable, challenging skill, but um, you know, you're, you're that and so much more, which I think is really exciting. So with that, let's set the stage, Chris. We know right now there's a lot of people that have offers and they either are really excited because just for us dating us, we're at the end of January. So you're real excited. You really thought the offer was going to be fantastic. The numbers come in and it falls short. Oh, what a disappointing feeling. What a bummer day. People are ripping their hairs out. They're kissing their or they're kicking their dogs, cursing their homes, whatever it might be. Um, and this is really where you come in. I know you've seen this so many times. What do you do? What do you do next when either that's your offer or somebody's coming to you because the offer just isn't working and they put their heart and soul into making it happen? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a bunch of tactical things we can do it and we'll we'll look at them in a moment with you know real world examples and, and the stats. But the first thing is that I would define what an offer not working actually means because sometimes people launch an offer and maybe they're newer to um, you know the space and it didn't perform as good as if not better than you know that vertical's top performing offer and as a result they're highly disappointed and they you know think it didn't work the reality is that the top performers are either unicorns, like they've just been, they've just hit everything perfectly from the get go, or they've been optimized and worked on and tweaked and crafted and molded into that top performing offer, um, you know, which has had millions, uh, if you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in ad spend run through it. So there's, there's other ways to make money. You don't always need to be number one. Um, and it's not always, you don't always start being number one, you work your way up there. So that's, that's where I would So what are start. some of the, like, I'm curious, because I think that's a great thing, right? Like, hey, I'm not the top offer to ever exist, right? Oh, it's a failure. Not necessarily by any means. So what are some healthy benchmarks or maybe, um, let's say for a health supplement offer, I think that's pretty common, um, possibly a VSL or TSL. What are some benchmark numbers that you look for that tell you that, hey, this offer is working or at least where do you want to start with maybe your first benchmark as you're optimizing? Yeah, so it depends on the vertical, obviously. Am I right in saying that most people will be in the health supplement space watching this? I think that would be a safe guess, but we'll, let's start there. Um, as sure. So we're all aware of the vertical. success the yeah. supplements are having right now, but yeah, <laughs> I know there's yeah. a lot of people that are sure. trying to figure out other offers, right? There, I've been chatting with a lot mm -hmm. of people who are going, can I get traction still with, you know, 27 to $87 front end digital offer kind of Go thing. Ahead. And they're just struggling to kind of break through with those because yeah. supplements have taken the air out of the room a bit. So it does run okay. the gamut. Yeah. Well, you know, in order to make this as relevant to as many people as possible, if we start with my kind of the way I see it, the way I see this offer space, direct response marketing is 
as a puzzle and you've just got to figure out the way to put those puzzle pieces together in order to produce results. So all that means is there's definite benchmarks that we can throw out there, but you can configure those benchmarks, those puzzle pieces one way and be a success and you can do it a completely other way and still be a success. So coming to the the supplement space, benchmarks there, a 1% conversion rate, most people would say not good enough to scale. However, you know, combine make doing our, our puzzle piece an analogy, if your average order value is high enough, $220 plus, that 1% suddenly becomes scalable. It just depends, are you able to control traffic? You know, do you have an affiliate manager and so on? So putting the puzzle pieces together in terms of, of specific benchmarks and especially in, in supplements, I like to see out of the gate a 1% conversion rate. Um, and I like to see average order value around 180. Now 180 on average order value is a lot lower than what you need to scale, but it's the easiest thing to increase out of those two elements. As we know, conversion rates and average order values, they ultimately equal EPCs, which attract um, affiliates into the space. Beyond that as well, and this is kind of the first thing I would talk about in, in the sense of your offer hasn't worked, where do we start? Um, I would, I always start kind of in the consumption phase. Like you've got this offer, you've got this fantastic, you know, piece of, of writing there. It sings off the page and, and so on. But it doesn't matter how good the copy is if, if no one's looking at it, um, if no one's consuming it. So have something like a heat map. If you're running a text page, have some kind of video watch data if you are running a video. If you are getting high degrees of consumption, and we can get there with some, you know, benchmarks there as well, um, then I then it's a good thing. If, if people are giving you their attention, generally you can turn that into dollars. Is Do you there, have a, a heat map or a, sorry, sorry, Thomas, you go ahead. Well, I was, yeah, no, I was curious about that too on those specific tools. I was curious, like. Is there a benchmark of enough traffic or customers that you kind of need to really start chewing on conversion rate optimizing? Because I think there's like that dichotomy of, do you even have enough traffic to tell if it's good or not? Or do you just have so little traffic and conversions that you really don't know yet, you just need more of that? Like where do you kind of land in the traffic versus optimizing in that balance? Yeah, what is statistical significance, right? I think that <laughs> yeah. word gets thrown around a lot. Which I do love to say because it sounds like people don't want to talk to you at a party because you just said the word statistical significance. So, yeah, the in a perfect world, I would always like to see a hundred sales minimum. Um, the reality is that not everyone has the resources to get to a hundred sales without course correcting and adjusting. So, in which case, um, it, it's more it's more of what the data is telling you which determines whether you want to act on it. Because if you've got a hundred views and no sales, that might not mean anything, especially if you don't know where, where those kind of views to your VSL or your, your text page are coming from. If they're coming from, if they're not, if they're coming from outside of America, those hundred views to your page generally aren't worth much in terms of actual data and significance um, to you as if they were coming from inside America. So again, huge puzzle piece. Um, in terms of sales, the minimum I would look at to draw a conclusion, and it would be a very loose conclusion, is 10 sales. 10 sales, gotcha. Ooh, okay, that that feels scary sales. to me to make a big decision on 10 sales. So um, let me ask you this. Would, does the type of test change what you'd be looking for in the sales or maybe the results in terms of the volatility of difference? So uh, just to kind of expand that, if it was, say, 10 sales, but you saw it was quadrupling conversion rates um, versus if it's 10 sales and it looks static, like the, the, the difference in conversion rates looks static or um, vice versa. If it was like 10, 10 sales and you're testing AOV and you just have one big sale in there. So it makes your AOV look a lot higher. Do you kind of gauge um, some of that based on maybe the, the results that come in? Yeah, absolutely. Um... This is why I love the puzzle piece analogy. I, I'm beating a dead horse with it, but it, it, it's every there's so many variables and metrics you have to take into account. So, for example, if um, when I was 
running to vine locks we ended a, a test very quickly after 20 sales or so i think it was one email mm. drop and the reason we did that i can't remember the specific test but the reason we did that is because it was just so one-sided i think it was a conversion probably a lead or a headline test so we were really looking at conversion rates and um you know i think it was like 18 sales on on, on one page to two on the other and it, it, it was just a blowout the consideration there is around where like the the less sales you are making decisions based on the more you have to kind of weight the other variables so not just what's on the page or, or uh you know the numbers generated from that if your 10 sales have all come from one traffic source um then you know that it might just be that that traffic source that that list of people if it's an email drop are they're kind of all the same people and they might not be the biggest group there might be another group that if you did an email drop to them it would tell you another with another 10 sales it would tell you an entirely different thing so you're always having to make these decisions but again if you have minimal resources you want to course correct as quickly as possible um, the more kind of data we can get the better of course um but yeah there's just there's just little things you know one of the most common mistakes i see um newer offer owners make is that they will draw conclusions on they'll launch a, a fantastic vsl it will look beautiful and then they'll pay for a, a drop or you know convince an affiliate to send them um traffic from a list which has been built on people that read and purchased through text sales letters and so there, there's people who are accustomed to buying through reading, then being sent to an offer that is about watching. And obviously, if people can read, they can also watch something. And there's a bit of crossover. But ultimately, that buyer's list of text people, you know, reading, have that's, the, that's how they purchase. They like to maybe take things at their own pace or whatever. And so that kind of thing is really important as well. You have to take all of these little details into, into account. Um, ultimately yeah, you're going to end want... up with a boring list of people that like to read things that, you know, we don't, we don't want those buyers or at least <laughs> we know those buyers are going to behave differently because you know, they probably don't own a TV. So no, <laughs> well, I, I think divine locks, well, that was primarily a tech sales letter, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It worked yeah. best there. Yeah. Cause I don't want to go down too far down this rabbit hole, but I am curious. I hear we get the question here all the time. I'm sure you do too. Like, should I do a video sales letter or a tech sales letter? TSL versus VS, you know, TSL, what works best? A lot of the media buyers demand a VSL because they're used to running that kind of offer. But I don't think a VSL necessarily converts better for everybody, right? I think it is offer dependent and traffic source dependent, but I'm curious where you kind of land on that map. Cause I think you've done a Ooh. bit of everything there. Yeah. Before we do that, I'd, I'd love to close the loop just on the technology side, because that's a great question. I mean, we might as well ask if a hot dog is a sandwich next, because I think there's definitely a lot of the controversy on that one, Thomas. It is okay. Um, disagree. No, but anyway, <laughs> but um, real fast, Chris, if you just may recommend um, a heat mapping software that you use, as well as uh, with the video side, just some analytics, if there's a preferred analytics source or hosting source that you like to see, um, that, that has been the best for you. And then from there, we'll go on to the VSL TSL question. Sure. So on the TSL heat map, that would be yep. most likely lucky orange, um, lucky orange, pretty okay. accurate. Why yeah. Lucky orange? So uh, it's cheaper than Hotjar is, you know, the, the quick answer there, but it's better than Microsoft clarity. So Microsoft clarity is free, but it's, um, you know, a lot of offer owners I've worked with, they do not trust the data it provides. So Lucky Orange strikes a nice balance between performance and cost. Then on the video side, I think the two big ones are, are Vidalytics and Wistia. And the reason why they're great is that they'll show you essentially a line chart um, of, of people at, who are on the you know, on the, on the page, watching the video at certain timestamps. They also have various other important metrics like, um, you know, play rate and, and items like that, which are often overlooked in, in marketing as well. Cause if people, again, consumption, if people aren't pressing play, they're not consuming your wonderful copy. Yes. Uh, play rate. Gosh, yeah, they have more functionality built in than trying to use YouTube or a free option. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they're built, you know, they are built for marketers. There's no YouTube, uh, you know, button in the bottom right that 
you can click and escape the the page. Yeah, that's good. That's good. No one wants that. And yes, of course, play rate is under you. Uh, I would say underlooked, but highly critical. Boy, is that a critical one? It's like not paying attention who op- who opens your emails. Uh, but yeah, play rate's a big one. So, well, cool. Let's go back to the question. Thanks for that, Chris. Uh, so, Thomas's fantastic question about TSL VSL is one truly better than the. Yeah, so for me, again, it comes down to when I when I work with an offer owner um, or even on my own offers, I'm thinking about risk mitigation because one thing I've always said is that they're, you know, the best copywriter in the world that most people would kind of agree on is Gary Bensavinga. He won something like eight out of 10 times. So that's an 80% win rate. You know, the best to have ever kind of done it. That is um, wild. <laughs> Yeah, so that, there's no guarantees, essentially. Um, so I always, when I'm asked that question by clients or potential clients, I will say, let's minimize your risk. It's always going to be cheaper and quicker to make a TSL than it is to do a VSL. In terms of performance, if you, if resources and risk aren't you know, considerations for you, then I would always recommend going straight to VSL, especially if you're going to start with, let's say, four to five different leads so the first five minutes of the the vsl to test them the reason why is that again a lot of lists in our industry now are built via video you know it's become so dominant and so we have a lot of people that are used to buying through that video format you know on the traffic sources that we want to get in front of that we want to be exposed to so that's where i would go and some of the you know some of the major affiliates as well let's say that you you i know it's not the topic of the the show but let's say you're doing really well you've come out of the gate really strong some of the biggest affiliates that will run directly from youtube and native ads and so on they won't run to a, a text page they want a vsl so if resources aren't an issue you go with vsl if you have to carefully manage them and make sure you're scaling profitably or at least not losing too much money, start with a TSL. Once you get proof that it works, again, because there's no guarantees, the only person or people that know know for certain if your offer will work is the market. Um, once you get that, that proof of concept, then you invest in the VSL. I'm glad that you just said what I've been telling clients for a while because, like, man, I hope I'm on the same page as someone like Chris Wright. So. <laughs> <laughs> Validating. Okay, thank you. <laughs> now, um, one thing I, on there, okay, actually. Oh, oh, you go ahead, Thomas. No, you go. Those goes. Oh, I was just going to ask on that. Like, what are some of the the challenges or things that you have to do when you're converting that TSL to VSL? Because it's not necessarily like a plug and play difference, since the mediums are different, the consumers are a bit different. What have been some of the things that you've uh, noticed? you've really had to adjust for when you're making that transition? Yeah, so for me personally, with my style of copywriting, it's not a huge difference. I write in a very, uh, you know, spoken, conversational manner anyway. So whether it's a text page or a VSL, that's something that um, other offer owners might have to consider. Is there, does their TSL sound a little bit like a a research report or you know something that they submitted in college um more than a conversational kind of piece of work the biggest consideration for me and the way i go about things is i love the kind of explosion of freedom that a vsl gives you because suddenly you're able to show a lot more than you can on a tsl and that showing is a really strong factor because um Words are important, but being able to show and demonstrate is is even better. Um, so that's that's the big consideration. It might allow me to cut out like a, a block of copy and just show something instead. It might allow me to show stuff during a, a block of copy, which makes it two, three times more powerful. That kind of detail. Nice. It's almost like it's just remembering that as that medium changes, it allows you different marketing tools you could use. You can almost like cut down and and um, be a bit more compact with your copy, which I think is really interesting and a good thing to point out. So that way it doesn't sound mm. like you're mansplaining in your copy as they're describing something that you could see. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's always good. Perfect. 
That's what's fascinating to do to see when I started in the industry, what VSLs used to be, which is basically words on a PowerPoint <laughs> to yeah. where the top VSLs are now, which is high production, custom B-roll, you know, hundreds of B-roll for like a 40 minute VSL kind of thing and edits and cuts to different things. That, yeah, exactly. And power and the words being said, but yeah, it's a total evolution of that. I'm curious when you I mean, look some at of these look like they could be on daytime TV. They look so yeah. darn good. I tell you what. Yeah. And I used it. I tell you what to remind people that we're in Idaho, just just in case. Well, some have been on daytime TV. What was the Astro? Um, oh no, the Soulmate sketch. I got a lot of the play on uh, yeah. talk shows. Yeah. Yes, that did. That's true. Was, so, yes. I was curious, Chris. Like when you're looking at maybe past. When you start saying like the first five minutes or the headlines and like kind of the big lever movers for getting conversion rate lifts, what's your approach when coming up and running those kind of split tests head to head? Like where do you go into your mind palace to start coming up with those hooks? Like what's your strategy for implementing those big tests? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, if we take it on from the perspective that something hasn't quite worked and it ha we haven't quite hit the kind of EPCs that we need um, to work there. Everything, like you say, ev the biggest needle movers generally are going to be in that first five minutes, whether it's a text page or a video page. It's going to be the headlines. It's going to be the leads. Um, again, I'm looking always looking at consumption. So just quick rule, uh, rule of thumb there because I want to make sure we cover it. But in a TSL, if you're losing, let's say, more than um, 10 to 15% of people uh, by the time they get, by the time you get to the end of your lead that you're seeing this on Lucky Orange or whatever, not more than, you know, you haven't got 90% or 85% of people still on the page at the end of your lead, then you might want to look at rewriting that lead or at least chopping it down a little bit because remember like when it's a text page people if if people aren't even bothering to kind of just like quickly scroll on their phone um to just kind of take it all in then you know you're not hooking them at all on vsls you're going to expect to lose 50 percent of people within that first five minutes um so what you're looking for on vsls is that the losses stabilize after that five minute mark and then it's like a it, it, it's not a cliff edge anymore it's a slow slow decline again if you're losing more than that or if like that cliff edge never stops being a cliff edge then well if it never stops being a cliff edge it might be a bigger problem than the lead uh but definitely rewrite the lead anyway so let's talk headlines um again like this we're talking the big needle movers headlines leads that's because it's upstream. It's the first thing people see. More people are going to see that first minute of your VSL or your text sales letter than the last 20 minutes of your offer. Um, so naturally, we're going to start with headlines. Headlines as well, I would say, super overlooked now on VSLs, uh, especially. on head, And that's yeah. kind of crossed over to TSLs. No one wants a headline on their on their, their, v, their video sales letter anymore. And it's because of a split test that uh, I think it was researched it where they got a lift from not having the headline. But again, like every offer is its own puzzle. And that is a good split test, um, you know, that may work for a set bunch of offers, but it, it might be not serving a bunch of other offers. So something I always want to test. So if I give you one example on a weight loss offer, and this will kind of start to build out the picture of my approach to it. My approach of headlines is very much about how can I say, how can I present something entirely different here and take a new angle on it? Because I don't want to make, I'll make tweaks if I've got a winner. If I've got a winner, I'm, I'm looking to find that like 10% lift. But if mm -hmm. we're, you know, topic here, if, it, if something hasn't worked, then I got to do something different at this point because I, you know, it's the Hail Mary throw well um, i love that i think it's important to remember though that there's a big distinction about i see people go to optimize an offer that's not working and they're like i'm going to change button color big big miss like if you're far away you should be swinging big until you're at least putting the ball in the playing field um and then from there hey if it's winning it's working then we could polish um to start hitting home runs versus triples but like yeah you, you need to be playing the game before you're and making big swings until then. So I just, I'm just glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking for, 
you know, 50% lifts uh, at a minimum of, of single test, um, you know, if we've got it right. So what, you know, the, the weight loss offer example, um, at first we had a very di- direct headline and the change here, obviously I can't start talking about an entirely different concept. It has to still, you know, the, the sales letter is what the sales letter is. So I have to find mm-hmm. an, a way to present a unique headline here without, um, you know, completely losing the essence of the promo. So we went from a very direct one, which was like reignite your fat cells with this breakthrough, that kind of approach to something that was a lot more story focused. The first line being, I never thought my lying husband and his skinny ex high school sweetheart would put me in the hospital. And there's more to that headline. Big open loop. (laughs) Yeah. That was just the headline. That was in the opening. So that's the headline above the VSL. Yeah. Headline above the VSL. That's not the whole thing. Um, there's more open loops in there as well. Um, but that's like to demonstrate I've gone from a direct one to a story one. It's a, it's a totally different approach. And the result there, without affecting the average order value at all, uh, we boosted the conversion rate by 56% just with a headline Dang. change. Wow. Wow. Is that, I'm curious because... I think people hear I, that. And I didn't go, mean oh, for us to synchronize our wow there, by the way, Tom. Wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think people hear like, oh, that boosts conversion rate by X. That's so cool. Is it con- boosting conversion rate because it's getting more people to actually see the offer at the whenever the offer presents itself, the buy buttons drop, if you will? Like did the play rate increase almost? Well, this was a text page. And um, the mm, okay. <laughs> the thing is that you got to grab attention. So there's going to be that. There's going to be probably more people making it all the way down. But, and this is why I think it's so overlooked to test headlines on VSLs. We forget that the, it's the first thing we see, it's like first impressions. When you meet someone and they give you a bad first impression, you don't like them. They give you a good one, you do like them. And that, that has a residue that sticks around. So that kind of residue is going to be flowing throughout that, that thing, this, throughout their their time reading that page and especially with a vsl if it's a vsl which doesn't go to full screen that headline is right at the top of the page throughout the entire video um so it's always influencing them um it's really kind of like an 80 20 thing but more like a 1 to 99 thing because this is a handful of words in an 8,000 word promo offer Um, and they make such a, a big difference there's a lot of magic to it and um, yeah, I mean, I got another example here, which I, I dug yeah, out please, yesterday. Example so, away. Yes, we're, again, we're all this, for the examples here. For sure. This um, this one again, same thing. Like we, this promo did was doing well anyway. Um, but I think we we still wanted. I mean, we we relentlessly test all the time. That's just something you have to do. But again, it, it, it this demonstrates the uh, different approach that you've got to take this radically different angle. So spirituality offer, uh, we had a mechanism focused headline. So, uh, you know, focusing on what we were calling the mechanism and, you know, how that will improve your life. And we changed it to a simple misconception headline. So Mm -hmm. completely different again, the misconception headline started off as everything we're told about wealth manifestation is a lie. It's not particularly special to be Bold, honest, but it's a claim. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally different to what was there. There's no fancy, you know, mechanistic aspect to it, but that produced a 61% conversion rate boost, which again was, was great. Cause that was already on a winner. Mm. Oh, wow. Can- wow. So it was already, it was already doing well, but moving to that more contrarian volatile viewpoint that was so strong had a huge effect on it. That's great. Yeah, and I'm not saying that any one of these, you know, that the misconception is always going to be the thing that wins. But what it really is demonstrating is that you take this wildly different approach, you see which approach wins. And then once you know that, let's say it's your mechanistic one or your story approach that works, then you then once you've got a winner, then you iterate that. Then you can change, you know, a handful of words or the the eyebrow copy or, you know, that's where you start to iterate and improve on that. But until you have one that's a winner, don't tweak around the edges, you know, go for the, the big hits. Those are great examples of, yeah, because I see so many, especially newer affiliates, even on bridge pages or sellers, right? They're kind of testing the same type of hook, even if it's big swings against the, you know, how to lose X pounds in a week, right? Versus how to 
burn your fat cells off, right? It's very like the same type of hook. I've never really thought about it that way versus story hook and claim hook, right? All these different things there. So that's a great example of really two different things there. I'm curious on like the relationship from say the, like the lead to the sales page. Cause I think that's a step people miss, which is either the, you know, the swipe, the email subject line and the swipe copy, email body copy, or the ad. Can you talk a little bit about how you bridge those gaps and how you approach helping with the very, very top of funnel and getting the click to the sales page? Cause I think that's where you're, you're talking headline, right? That's a kind of almost the true headline, if you will, driving that curiosity and how you're testing those things. Yeah. The, the general rule of thumb, and again, everything is a puzzle piece. Um, and I'll explain why I'm, you know, hedging that a little bit in a moment, but the general rule of thumb is that if someone is clicking, you know, a click driver, whether it's an ad, a swipe, whatever it is, and they're ending up on a page and going, what the hell is this? Then, you know, you've done something wrong. There needs to be a congruency from what you're talking about in your swipe, for example, into the sales page. So um, that's going to be the key. The caveat there is that very, very rarely you will find an email swipe that works so well, but it makes absolutely no, like it, it gives nothing away. Uh, it, it's got no details and it might not be connected at all to the, the main page. Um, that's happened a few times within, you know, Agora. Uh, it's really interesting, but that, that's really? the key is like consistency. They really get like a killer swipe unrelated to the offer. Yeah, it's, it's again, very rare, um, but it's just one of those ones where it's like, it might be like four lines and so blind, um, but it, it just does really well. But the, and that, that principle of like congruency from the click driver to the lead, that applies um, from the VSL through your upsells. Because you want people to be to know, um, you know that they're they're still on the same page. So the color scheme should be the same. Um, if they're going through your upsell sequence, they want the you want the, you know, the banners or whatever to be the same. That congruency runs all the way through, and it's going to only increase conversion rate there. Now, one, one question, uh, one area that I'd love for you to talk about me some tips or some really good tactics that you tend to use or see missed. Um, in the first upsell, an OTO one, uh, it's such a critical component that a lot of people are are always trying to focus on, but we see a lot of people miss on their first upsell. So uh, walk me through kind of like what are some benchmark numbers that you're looking for on a first upsell and some of the tactics that you see that people just seem to be missing a ton that you normally solve when they come to you going, Chris, my upsell is not working. Yeah, so another... I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse again, but the, um, so if, if, so Listen, if you have Peter's a VSL, really after us with all this dead horse talk, Chris, yeah, <laughs> very, to, very tender off on this, this, poor dead, yeah. this poor dead horse. I mean, I'm excited to eat it later, but I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, that was a hearty laugh filled with all sorts of phlegm. Sorry about that. <clears throat> all right. Oh yeah. So the, again, if you have a VSL, um, you're up so one at a minimum should be a, a VSL as well. A lot of the time people just put up text pages because they're cheaper and so on. That's a big, big needle mover. Uh, benchmarks, I want to see at least a 25% take rate on that first upsell, at least. And really we want to be, depending on, on what the product is, we want to be pushing, if it's a supplement, try and push 35%. That's going to be really important for, you know, just... And, you, and is that pretty universal across like digital info supplement health like if it's not at least at 25 percent, you're probably missing i would say so um okay obviously price points that that changes things but the that was my question there on price point because people like, oh, i've got a 50 percent take rate on upsell one i'm like you're probably undercharging then and it's like you need to like you probably could raise aov and lower take rate a bit and improve the offer performance like where do you land on like if it's 25 to 35 percent take rate is what dollar amount are you trying to add to the overall order? Maybe that's a percentage too in that realm. Yeah. So there's a wider topic here. Um, generally from, for most successful offers, you're going to have a first upsell, which is the most important upsell, which is selling more of the same. So if it's a supplement funnel and they've bought, let's say it was divine locks, the first upsell is more divine locks. And the reason why is that they've just 
committed 30 minutes of their life to really buying into that product through the marketing. Um, and so that's, that's really important. So what we want to do is try and increase our AOV as much as possible on that first upsell. It, it's such a priority. The second priority for me is increase is trying to get as much, uh, on the, on the front end, trying to get many people into the, as many people into the six bottle option as we can. Um, after that first upsell, then this is, this is where it gets really interesting because generally a lot of businesses, business owners that I talk to, they have no, they, they are reluctant to keep adding upsells now, upsell two and upsell three. And the reason why is that they see their chargebacks and their refunds and, you know, the, the, the negative metrics, and they are massively outweighed by people that have bought through the full upsell sequence because they just they're not as bought into those upsell products. They're buying because they've already bought, if that makes sense, they're impulse purchases. Um, and so it can be, it, you can have better metrics when you take into account the wider scope from just doing that first upsell. Um, when it comes down to charging enough and, and whatever, I think, I think that's all about testing again. So what is your goal? Uh, your goal with that first upsell has to be average order value. So, I would tweak the numbers around price testing. That's an often overlooked item um, that offer owners should do. If you if you raise prices, you'll probably sell less. But on the first upsell, it doesn't really matter because you're just trying to boost that average order value as high as we can. Well, I was curious on like what other is there any other elements of the funnel you really like to mess with when you're first working with a client? Is it like order bumps? Is it exit offers on the lander or upsell? But like, what are other little things you're trying to test for? Maybe more incremental gains, but things that can have a pretty big lift over the long term. Yeah, I mean, I've got some uh, some big gains ones which we can still talk about. So the first one would be leads. Um, yeah, we've we've mentioned their importance a few times now. But the leads are, are fantastic because people, you convince people to read the lead with your headline and then you convince people to read the rest of the promo with the, the lead. Um, and so focusing on, on making that lead as impactful and powerful as we can really has powerful, powerful, powerful downstream effects. One example of this is that we had a, a client, uh, you know, come to me with a, a good offer but it was only like 0.5% conversion rate, something like that. Wow. And it was a good offer because they had a really high average order value already. Yep. Like super high, <laughs> yeah. higher than most. Mm -hmm. And um, so we knew, or I knew just looking at what was in front of me that if I could increase that average order, uh, sorry, the conversion rate by a fraction, it that promo would be highly, highly scalable for them. They controlled their own traffic. Um, they had good connections to bring in extra traffic and, and so on. They had everything they needed to be a success. Um, that was already a story-based lead, if I recall, but I didn't find the lead story super compelling. Um, so it was a really obvious needle mover for me. Of course, we did you know, change some of the mechanism, edited copy throughout. 80% um, of that, that offer was the same before as before um you know we came along we had a brand new story lead and that story lead not only did it produce a 40 percent lift in conversion rates um, it also increased the average order value to over 300 dollars on a supplement no form. way so, it was already super high right yeah wow. super scalable um you know still relatively low conversion rate but we got it to a place where it could just go to the moon so that's a big one. Leads are super important. And I would also say that the approach that I have of headlines of like finding a radically different um, approach is is the same thing to do there. Like if you have a story-based lead and it hasn't worked, try a science-based, science slash discovery-based lead um, and vice versa. At the same time, I guess we'll come on to this a bit later, but maybe your story sucks and you just need a different story. That's always worth trying out as well. Another one of those big needle movers that I mentioned is just the general kind of idea that you're putting forward into the world. You'll, you'll see copywriters and marketers talk about 
um, you know, big ideas quite a lot. I don't necessarily think you need one outside of every financial promotion. Like they're a lot more common in the financial vertical, uh, but in health, you can still find them. And I have a, a business partner who you guys both know, Jade. Um, we run an offer called Seri Skin, and you know, on its very first drop, it was highly profitable. It, we we got our, our drop money back and, and made money on top of it. So we thought we were onto a winner from the get-go. Then on our next drop, um, it didn't do as well. And so suddenly we had to you know, make changes, doing the things I've talked about here, rewriting leads, headlines, all of that kind of thing. But we couldn't quite find the needle mover until our most recent rewrite, where we, we just changed the big idea that we were putting forward. And so now we have an angle, and this is our headline, Soak this plump peptide into your skin to smooth away wrinkles. And so what we've got here is a new paradigm. So soak this thing into your skin. I haven't seen it before necessarily. It might exist, but maybe not at scale. And then also we've got a new solution, which is the plump peptide. Putting a brand new thing forward. The result is 68% boost in conversion rate versus our old control, 44% increase in average order value versus the old control. So that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, super vital one. So those, well, especially those, you think uh, on the skincare one, you have the plump, the, the idea of the plump. Um, yeah, that's what plump you want. Again? It's a yeah, peptide. it's just yeah, plump peptide. Which peptides are familiar, so people could connect with that. But the plump side is so benefit oriented, and it just sounds nice to say a plump peptide. It kind of makes me hungry, which means maybe it's lunchtime. I'm Must not quite good. sure, but no, <laughs> yeah, no, that that's a really great one. I just. I really like that it sounds unique and the the idea also of soaking, I think makes a ton of sense. Um, now you're already putting people to this idea of absorption. So I'm absorbing plump proteins that are going to make my skin look young and beautiful. Like right from that headline, you could already kind of get an idea of what's going to be happening. I just think that's really, really impactful and awesome. So, um, you know, with that, actually, I think that transitions like oh, what I'd love right now, Chris, like we, we could move in. So we have the, the process here. Um, so before we go into, there's one part I want to talk about, like, when do you just say enough's enough, the offer doesn't work. But before that, I'd love to get some quick hits of just some recent wins. This is kind of like your brag section. So you get to go out and just talk about some cool tests that you feel people should be running things you see the businesses aren't doing. Um, and maybe just some kind of some things. If you had like your soapbox, like all offer owners, Chris Wright decrees, this is what you should be doing. Um, we'd love to get some of those. Give us maybe about three, if you could. How does that sound? Yeah, sure. So the first one is the one that you know I just mentioned with the, with the weight loss offer. Test a new lead. They are so impactful, so important. So definitely do that. And to kind of emphasize how important that is, um, we slightly different, not a health supplement, but a e-commerce toothbrush offer. That's one that I've written a um, story focused page for as well. And that doubled the performance of any other page, literally doubled story is the biggest, you know, I, I will, I will say it. it is the biggest needle mover that I often see in these kind of offers stories. sell, stories, grab attention stories are often overlooked. So definitely do that. Um, another one, which I think has a really good lesson behind it as well in the sense of the the puzzle the grand puzzle i keep talking about another spirituality offer this one was really cranking 2.96 percent conversion rate really going um we i wrote a lead for it uh one that kind of got to the story much quicker so there's a, a little throwback there as well and the <laughs> result is that that conversion rate actually dropped to 2.74 percent but that lead became the new control. And the reason why it became the new control is that average order value was 41% higher from that oh, wow. lower conversion rate. So when you take those two pieces together, that lower conversion rate, and but that much higher average order value, it made it, it was so much more scalable. And that's one that, yeah. you know, the, obviously the client loves it, but also when I, when I talk to other people in the industry, they realize that I wrote it and you know, they're, they're like, wow, that, that was an amazing promo for us as affiliates. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what you need. You need, you, it's those two numbers, AOV, CVRs. 
Um, well, beyond I, that, I love that too because well, real fast, I want to pause on that because I think that's really good that lots of times people don't think about that relationship, the conversion and average order value. Like I have an example of the complete reverse of that where an offer was hitting a conversion rate that was a little bit less 1%, but they were very AOV focused. They're like, we have like a $250 AOV. They dropped the price of their front end products down and their AOV went down from, I think it was like 230 down to like 187. So whatever percentage that was, it was a pretty substantial decrease, but their conversion rate almost doubled. Um, and it was, it was at that level that it made it to where the new offer with a pretty substantially lower AOV was actually infinitely more scalable because the conversion that that big lift in the conversion made such a massive difference in the economics of the offer. So I just, I, I love that you highlight that example. It's not always the exact number you're looking for. You could actually see a reduction in number and it'll increase your overall velocity for an offer. Um, if it, depending on how that works. So anyway, yeah. th those are great examples. So we got two so far, or maybe that was one. No, it was two. We have two so far. So give us the third and final Chris thing that you should know. I'll give, I'll give you a shotgun approach. So the first one would be okay. the, the price testing. Absolutely test your price. People don't want to see their conversion rates drop or the average order value drop because I don't know, maybe people ascribe their kind of worth to it or, or identity to it. But like, <laughs> you know, my wife will never around. love me if my AOV is not over 200, <laughs> Chris. How do you make it happen? It, exactly. So it's a huge, huge needle mover and it's so easy to implement. You don't need to hire anyone. You just, you know, mm -hmm. change the 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 setup and and what it says on on the text page and anyone could do that in in html so super easy to do and can produce crazy results that you're not expecting mm -hmm. uh second shotgun one headlines all the reasons we talked about they're not sexy right now they are not being tested enough definitely do that um and then the third one often overlooked as well and there's other needle movers right there's mechanisms there's sometimes your offer is just a bad offer um all of that kind of thing but an often overlooked one, assuming you have a good offer, assuming the copy is all good, is the buy box itself. And so there's so much you can do on that that tiny bit of real estate. Um, not only do you, are you presenting an offer there, but you are providing hope. You're giving them the you're, you're giving them you're direct you're showing them the path, the path to take to you know their dream goal, whatever you are ultimately the solution you're ultimately selling. So test your buy box copy. Um, mm -hmm. If it's add to cart now, test something like set me free. That's one we ran with Divine Locks and it was mm. the best and to this day. Um, you know, don't, they don't all need to be fancy. They don't all need to be a set me free. Sometimes add to cart does work best. It could be buy now, order now, like all of those things, test them, really important. Also, that tiny bit of real estate can be really influential in, let's say you have a one, three, six supplement offer. It's always, if you, if you're looking to increase average order value, you will always see an increase by making it very clear that someone has to pay shipping for the, if they order just one bottle, free shipping, if they order three or six, you will always see, cause it, it will push people into that. It, mm -hmm. it's, it can sometimes be enough to convince a one bottle buyer to buy three bottles instead. You also want nice. to do things like if you have bonuses, um, you put it in the picture, um, emphasize which ones get free shipping, use little headline copy, tag copy to say most popular or customer recommended. You know, there's so much influence mm. that you can do in such a small space of time. From there into the checkout page, sometimes you're limited, exactly what you can put on there, but order bumps are always helpful. Uh, but also kind of let them know that well done. You've, you've taken the first step to changing your life mm. or you need, you know, the next step is to fill out your payment details. That kind of copy works as well. Um, nice. I love the congratulations on the order form. I know we talk about that in the first upsell or thank you page, but kind of they click there. I really like that side note. Someone needs to make this for a CTA button. I don't know what the target demographic would be. I would do it for like a biz op or IM offer. I would get like, probably, it probably is a licensing issue, but like a Mandalorian head. And then it would say, this is the way, and it would swipe across. <laughs> this is the way. Because I would buy whatever it was. At least I'd be looking at their order form like four or five times, show all your friends. <laughs> so 
um, no, Hallmark or someone make that send it to me, please make it and send it to me and then get sued by Disney later. But it'll yeah. be really fun for that, that little bit beforehand. <laughs> well, those are, those are fantastic. I just want to recap too. I think price testing, I just want to talk about that again. I can't tell you how big of an opportunity that is in testing because I don't know the last time I talked to somebody that actually tested their prices. They were looking at prices that they see on the supplements and they're like, oh yeah, this is what's in the marketplace. This is the price that everyone else is doing and they just run with it. And I could almost tell you, I'm not even sure the original creators of that price ever tested anything different. So I'm just putting it out there that price testing and supplements could be a massive differentiator, especially considering we have a price sensitivity and a lot of people are concerned about the economy right now. I feel like testing a price would be a super smart idea. So really glad you brought that up, Chris, yeah. as well as the CTA is another great area to focus on um, along with headlines, which should always be the first place that you test as I'm going on those headlines. So great, if I, great if recap I there. Yep. Add yeah, to course. that as well. Um, a lot of the time when people are charging a more premium price, it might be because their product is just more premium, not necessarily that it works. Uh, what am I saying? No, not that the price point works. It, they might have to price at that point because they have a premium product and therefore they have higher costs and they, they cannot have a successful funnel at a lower price point. So they might be trapped and you might be copying them thinking that's the best way to do it. When in reality, you have this other lever that you can pull to give yourself the, the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. So price, if there's one thing, I'll be honest, if there's one thing you guys take out of this entire thing, which there shouldn't be, there should be many, there should at least be three because Chris gave us three awesome things to focus on, um, but is price testing. Go, if your offer is not performing where you think it should right now, I would definitely encourage you to test some prices. Um, now, one of the things that we, we haven't talked about in here, we talked about how we're going to fix everything, but just like my to-do list and things at home, I can't fix everything as much as I might try. And so can not a lot of people. So at what point do you kind of look an offer and say, I need to put it to bed. I need to, as the creative writing phrase goes, kill your darlings. Um, and for those that are not aware, we're not looking to kill darlings. It's just, if you love something, you try and make it work. There just has to be a point that you say, as much as you love it, it needs to die um, because no one else loves this like you do. Uh, so, you know, Walk a little bit through about like, how do you know when to let go and put that little darling to bed as a broken dream instead of an inevitable one? Yeah, of course. So again, it, it comes down to the resources um, available. If, you know, if you have a bunch and, and the will as well, because there's an emotional component to this when mm -hmm. you've invested three months of your time in something and it hasn't worked and that is draining. Um, but I would always test kind of the stuff we talked about today a new story outright a new mechanism as well i know we haven't touched too much on that and potentially a new yeah, offer we... mm -hmm. so with the offer that's often overlooked as well people think that you know the copy can um compensate for a pretty generic or boring product your product has to have some kind of uniqueness and novelty and um interest and and you know, work to, to do well. It's just the copy is what helps kind of amplify that message out into the, to the world. Um, so I, those things, if the resources aren't super available, then again, we've got to use that data, um, to identify like what, what the biggest needle mover is that we can test with the resources that we have. But generally if after lots of testing or, you know, not much, cause you don't have the option, I would be looking at for a supplement funnel, let's say, um, if this thing can't get above 0.5% conversion rate, no matter what you do, and and if your average order value is below $180 and that doesn't seem to move either, then I, I think it's just got to be cold, unfortunately. Um, generally, again, like if, if this thing is like 0.6%, I'm pretty confident in most situations that I could get that to 1% and then I can get the average order value up super high. And because of that, I know that this funnel with the right skill set in driving traffic can scale. So it's not something to give up on. If you're only looking for, you know, runaway winners, then you'd probably cut anything with a 1% or, or below conversion rate. But if we're just looking, you know, this thing hasn't worked yet, could it work or should I kill it? General rule of thumb in the supplement space, less than 0.5% conversion rate um, and anything 
below $180 in average order value. Nice. So you kind of send like a death threshold, right? Like it's underneath <laughs> here. I've tried enough. I've Do not resuscitate. There, like, <laughs> DMR. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. I think the worst so, thing people well, can well, do Thomas, is just... Any other questions? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. The worst thing people can do is just keep committing time and attention to something which hasn't got a chance to get there. Because again, only the, mar only the market decides whether this stuff will work or not. And if you are, you know, sometimes stuff can be turned around, sometimes they can't. So yeah, just even if you don't take my criteria, set yourself a criteria and a time frame. And if it hasn't worked within you know, hit that criteria within, let's say, 90 days, then you move on to something else because you don't want to keep wasting your time there. Yeah. I mean, listen, yeah, I like it. wasting oh. your time towards something you might love is my main dating proposition, but I understand it's probably not good <laughs> business tactic. So, um, Thomas, what were you going to say? I was going to say that I find people set the wrong criteria a lot of times. They're going to say, if I don't sell this many units or if I don't get this much money back in this time frame, I'm going to call it a loser, right? But if you haven't done all the things you're talking about doing, Chris, how can you really call it a, a loser? So if you if your barometer is I'm going to do this thing every day, I'm going to run this much traffic to it, I'm going to generate this many clicks to it, right? If those things are your barometer to choose if it's a winner or not, that's where you'll probably back into success more often than not. Yeah, it's really about finding a process as well. The, the guys and girls that have been doing this for the longest time and having the most success, they have fantastic processes and, and they know to um, not spend too long on losers and to, you know, double down on, on the winners. Beautiful. Thomas, any other questions before I realize Chris has given us like almost an hour of just pure nuggets and awesome stuff. Um, so I want to see if there's any questions before we tell the people how they could get a hold of Chris, how they could work with Chris, Chris, how Chris could delightfully in a British way, fix their offers or wherever they might need, build them for them. Um, but yeah, so, so super curious to Thomas, if you have any other questions before we let him go. I do, but we're, we're running on time, so I won't keep diving into other stuff. I, I did like how you called out, right. That you need to validate the offer for the purchased and then use that to re to frame up the upsell versus just going, I see a lot of people frame up an upsell almost like it's a unique offer in itself and they almost disparage the other thing you just bought. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, it's like almost, Hey, forget that thing you just bought. Here's a giant sales page now for this upsell. Yeah. And it's like. Uh, there's a reason why we see upsell <laughs> one at the highest chargeback and refund rates. Um, and so if you can validate the purchase, build on that to then frame the upsell, you'll probably have a better time keeping a lot of those sales that are happening and making sure the customer's actually getting through your flow that way. So I'm just glad you brought that up. But no, I just I'd encourage everyone to go check out Chris's stuff as he's about to drop it. Because yeah, I've worked with quite a few of the offers you've been on and the process you take with improving them has been very impressive and seeing the variety of offers you've gotten off the ground from all different kinds of verticals and niches has been cool. I don't see many people like you who operate in multiple verticals like that. Usually they're stuck, not stuck. I want to say usually they're specialized in very one thing, but you being able to see so much and pull so many levers across different types of offers is uh, invigorating. Nice. Yes. Which is where you get the moniker direct response master Mark. Master. Because okay. No niche can Pokemon. hold you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. It does, which we might be nerds because that's what <laughs> sure, right? Yeah, probably somewhere. Um, awesome, man. Well, on that note, I know you need to go out there and catch them all um, for those marketers that are in need of your help. And uh, for those of you, if they need to get a hold of you, what is the best way um, if they want to get in contact with you through email? Um, should you put your cell phone out there so anybody could just send you text messages at any point in time? I would not encourage it. Paul Hoffman did that just in case you don't know there's a precedent. Um, but how do the people get a hold of you? Yeah, two easiest ways to reach me. One is Facebook. So facebook.com forward slash Chris Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T-O, as in the letter O and not zero. That'll take you <laughs> directly to my profile. Um, chances are we have mutuals and I will accept you and we can have a chat there um the second way is just via email so that's chris at your conversion dot partners so chris at your conversion partners uh dot partners for that one so that, just an email so we'll whichever sure one you that, prefer yeah. and we'll put that in the show notes too just so okay if people are like me and they can't auditor auditorily spell anything like i would have been 
a nightmare and a spell. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, that we'll make sure to put on the show notes for people that are challenged like me uh, to be able to click and go connect with Chris, whether it be Facebook or email. Um, you need to do it. He's a great guy. He's a great person to work with. And you're about to have a great offer um, if you're going to be working with him as well. So um, with that, if there's any, unless you want to leave something else for the the, the people, Chris, um, we'll let you go about the rest of your day to go snuggle your delightful baby. Have a wonderful evening and um, keep making some great offers. Awesome. Yep. Nothing from me. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been good. We went on a few tangents, but we, we got back to the <laughs> uh, What would be an episode without some tangents? It'd be no fun. It'd be like wine without tannins. No one wants that. So with that, Thomas, what do we tell the people? Well, first I should say, please, guys, rate, review, subscribe. If you have any questions or if there's subjects you'd like us to talk about or people you'd like us to go find an interview, please email us at affiliated at clickbank.com. We do read that email. Um, we're going to look at it. That's where you know all the comments that people say about Thomas looking like Seth Rogen that still seem to come in constantly. So uh, please keep him going. Um, it fills his heart up. Uh, until next time, though, what do we tell the people, Thomas? Happy scaling, everybody. Happy scaling. All right, guys, you have a good one. Thanks so much.